the author of salvation wrote the laws of space and time and fashion worlds to his design the one whom angel hosts revere hung the stars like chandeliers Numbered every grain of sand Knows the heart of every man He is king forever He is king forever He is king forevermore And our strength, the rock on which we can't depend, matchless in his majesty, his power and authority, unshaken by the schemes of man. Changing great I am Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall He is faithful through it all Crown Him King forever Crown Him King forever Crown Him King forevermore of sin and centuries did pierce the lowly prince of peace lifted high the sinless man crucified the spotless lamb buried by the sons of man he was rescued by the father's hand to reign as King forever reign as King forever reign as King forevermore King eternal God of grace we crown you the highest praise Heaven shouts and saints adore Your holy, holy, holy Lord What joy in everlasting life All is love and faith is sight Justice rolls and praises rise Jesus Christ, King of Kings forever, King of Kings forever, King of 
this morning and uh, after I pray the ushers will come for this morning's offering and the children will be dismissed for children's church but as we want to do every Sunday morning as we begin to everyone hears emphasis and strategy in our church let this be a reminder that we do want everybody to hear the gospel and during this time of prayers we pray about a host of needs let's pray that everybody hears the gospel everybody that God's placed in our path families that we've committed to to try to reach with the gospel if we're involved with everyone here. Take that time right now to pray for them, those people to hear the gospel and to be saved. But I know there's many that are sick and and, uh, going through different times and different circumstances are represented here this morning. So I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads right now and let's pray together. Father, we bow before you again and and thank you for uh, this opportunity to be in your house this morning. We praise you that Jesus is king forevermore. We thank you for the words of the songs that we've sung this morning that remind us of this truth, that our God reigns, and Lord, that he's coming again. And we want to be found faithful when he comes. What a, what a joy it would be if Jesus came and we were found gathered right now, worshiping together, singing praises to you. And how opposite would it be if we were gathered in this place singing praises to you, yet some in this place when Jesus came did not know you. Father, we pray that for unbelievers in this room right now to be saved. And Lord, how joyous it would be if Jesus came right now as we were praising you together and worshiping you right here in this sanctuary as a church family. It would be a wonderful day. But it would not be for many in our community who've not believed the gospel. And many have heard about Jesus and heard much more than many people in the world have. And, but they've heard a works-based gospel. They've heard a version of the gospel that is no gospel at all. And for Jesus to come for them, it would not be a joyous day. For they would hear, depart from me, I never knew you. We thank you, Lord that it's not your will that any should perish, but all come to repentance, that the patience of God is waiting. And so, Father, we pray that we pray that you would use your church, use us even to bring in your elect, to bring in your call, to bring in those whom you will save. So we pray for the lost right now, our friends, people that we work with, buddies that we play basketball or football with or soccer with, coaches and teachers, aunts and uncles, neighbors people that we don't get along with Lord people that we do get along with Lord we pray for these that are not saved to hear the gospel and to be saved Lord we ask that you would work in our hearts affect our hearts with the truth of the gospel even afresh this morning so that when we leave this place we'll be ready to share it Lord And it won't be something even that we have to make ourselves do for the most part, but something that we can't help but do because you have loved us so much in Jesus. Father, we're reminded this morning that in this place there are many 
who are going through some difficult times, Lord, even in a new year, Lord, there's old circumstances brought right into it, relationship issues and health concerns and financial responsibilities. God, we pray that you'd meet these needs according to your riches and glory. And remind us in the midst of all the circumstances and situations that are represented right here this morning that for those of us who are in Christ, the worst thing that can happen to us is not going to happen. For Jesus took care of that for us on the cross. So Lord, take now our tithes and offerings and use it, Lord, to continue to equip this church through Sunday school classes and other things that we do as a church to disciple one another. Use this offering to help us do things like everyone hears and Awana and Bible drill and other things to reach out into the community and or out through our outreach team and other means to, to proclaim the gospel. Use this offering, Lord, to make Christ known where it's not known in other parts of the world to our missionaries, Lord. For the leeches serving in Argentina, God, use this offering to glorify you. We thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So for us, this will come right now and help us with this morning's offering. Children, you can be dismissed for Children's Church. Thank you, Miss Gill. You did a wonderful job for us this morning. I want to ask you to take your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 10. And where you're sitting at this morning in the chair underneath, in the, underneath the chair that you're sitting in or one close to you, there should be a Bible. And I ask you to take one of those Bibles or take your own Bible and stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 10 is where we're at in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to read verse 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. 
Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray together again. Just pause again, Lord, to acknowledge that if you don't move and speak and work and then uh, there's nothing going to happen right now in our hearts. We need the Holy Spirit to stir us, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit, and do a divine, sovereign, supernatural, and miraculous work in our hearts. Help us to see again for those of us who are Christians, the glory of God shining in the face of Christ. And let it happen for the first time in the hearts of unbelievers so that they're born again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. Well, perhaps we can relate to this story a little bit here in Luke chapter 10. You can just imagine company's coming over, you just find out Jesus is coming to your house. What would you have to do to get ready for Jesus to come to your house? Would you have to hide a magazine? Would you have to turn the channel? Well, I imagine a lot of us would at least have to clean up a little bit. Maybe some of you ladies, now I hope it don't sound chauvinistic, but my goodness, you can't just help but bend people the wrong way some ways you just no matter what you say you get in trouble but so I imagine for some of you ladies you you be in a tiz you know about somebody coming over to your house all of a sudden especially if it was Jesus my house is a mess there's dirty socks on the floor I don't have anything ready we know he loves pinto beans and cornbread and I ain't got no beans cooked what in the world am I going to do I've got so much to do There's dirty dishes in the sink. And you wouldn't do what I'd do. I'd just throw the dirty dishes in the, away if it's me, but that's what I did when I was a bachelor. Well, surely some of these type of emotions, probably the excitement because after all, Martha in the passage of Scripture actually had in, has welcomed Jesus into her home, so I don't know that he, had, he was coming unexpected. But still, she was very busy. You can see in the passage of Scripture, she was busy serving the Lord. And there was her sister, Mary, sitting down. You ever felt that way before? You come into a place, maybe, and you look around, and you're busy, and, you're doing, and there's your husband sitting on the couch. <laughs> or there are your kids sitting there playing with their toys, and you're picking up their clothes? Nuh-uh. Or there's your sister, and you're busy. Lord, don't you care? 
imagine saying that to Jesus. Lord, God, Jesus, don't you care? That's what she said to Jesus. What a ridiculous thing to say to Jesus. Because he does care. In fact, we're told to cast all our cares upon him. For he cares for you. But she says, Lord, don't you care? She's filled with anxiety. She's filled with anxiety, yet she's serving the Lord. Serving the Lord is causing her anxiety. And it can if we neglect the one thing that is necessary, and that is the Lord. So as we look at this passage of Scripture, we can relate, I think, to someone coming over to our house unexpected or even announced. We're still going to be maybe perhaps anxious about that. But I imagine we can also relate to the fact that it is very easy to be, as Kevin DeYoung describes, crazy busy and neglect the really the one thing that's necessary and that's to really just know and enjoy the Lord. I hope you'll be able to see this morning how this relates to us introducing this vision of everyone hears. Because I may mention it later, but I'll go ahead and say it now because one of the things as you're entering a new year is you're being asked to consider is adding another layer to your life. Something else. Here's something else. And you're going to have to prayerfully consider should, should I be involved in that. Now, it's not an option for you to pray about being involved in the Great Commission. I hope you know that. And it's always been since I've been here and before I came that what we've been called to do at the very minimum is where we work, live, and play to be on mission every day, everywhere, every member on mission. To be ready to share the gospel intentionally on our mission fields every, everywhere, every day. What everyone hears is, is, an, is an intentional way to go about doing that together to make sure nobody falls through the cracks. Because I'm everywhere, every day, I'm not with everybody. You see? There are some people we may never get to because we're not everywhere every day in our community. So I want to share two things with you this morning about this one thing that's necessary that, there's, that we need to do. If we're going to add another layer to our life like everyone hears or whatever it is we're doing for the Lord. If we're going to do it in a balanced way to the glory of God. And number one is this. Evaluate your service for the Lord. I think that's real plain from the text. Evaluate your service for the Lord. What is it that you're doing for the Lord? First of all, if you're a Christian, there are things that you should be doing for the Lord. You've been given spiritual gifts whether you know what they are or not. Just serve the Lord. And you're probably using a spiritual gift whether you put a name on it or not. So you should be serving the Lord. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be involved in some activity at First Baptist Church. It'd be good if you were. It'd be helpful for the church family you're a part of if you were. But you should be serving the Lord in some way. So evaluate your service for the Lord. What are you doing for the Lord to further the kingdom of God? And that might be convicting for some of you because maybe you're having a hard time thinking of anything. And then for some of you, it's easy to think of something. In fact, you're thinking of a bunch of things. You're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this here at First Baptist. In fact, not just at First Baptist, if you're volunteering for this Christian ministry, 
outside the church or this Bible study. I mean, there's a lot of things you're doing. Evaluate your service for the Lord. What are you doing for the Lord? When Josiah was young, when he was really little, probably about three, um, he liked trains and so forth. I remember we were at a restaurant one time in Kansas City, and there's this little train going around the top of it. A uh, little bitty train would come out where we were sitting and eating, and it would go all around the restaurant, and then he'd come back out again. And every time that train come around, Josiah would get excited and he'd go, <sighs> and then the train would go by, and he'd go, <sighs> and then he'd come back around, <sighs> and then go back around, <sighs> and just kept going, you know. I was like, turn the train off or stop it right there in front of us. Y'all know what you, they got twins coming up. Y'all know, you know what you got yourself into, right? Pray for them. Goodness. One time we were coming back from a Tennessee, it's like 11 and a half hour trip with young ones coming back from Tennessee to see my parents. And we were coming, we'd almost made it to Kansas City on the home stretch of this long drive. And, Josiah's getting fussy. And there's this crane, not a train, but a crane over in the distance. And I said, Josiah, look at that crane. I was trying to distract him. You know how it is you distract kids and then they suddenly like, oh. Well, I was like, look at that crane. And he looked over and he's like, I don't see a train. I thought I said train. So now it's worse. It's my attempt to distract him in a positive way is backfired. He's like, I don't see a train. So the volume goes up immensely for the last 10 minutes on the way home. Well, distraction can be a wonderful thing in dealing with young kids at times. You know, they're distracted. They want something like, oh, look at that. Yeah. But sometimes it can backfire. But distraction is never a good thing when it comes to our relationship with God. And notice what Jesus said to Martha. She welcomed him in her house. And look what it says in verse 39 of your Bible. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. But Martha, what's it say in your Bible? You're looking at your Bible in verse 40? But Martha was distracted. Distractions can happen when you're serving the Lord. It's not just that she's distracted. She's serving the Lord, literally uses the word service twice here. She's distracted, it says, with much serving. She's serving the people. She's serving the guests. She's serving the Lord, literally. But she's distracted with serving the Lord. So God's telling us in his word here that what she's doing is not bad, it's, but it could be better because she's distracted from doing what's best. And Jesus says to her, she went up to him, complained. You know what happens sometimes when we serve the Lord and it's not out of love, but it's out of legalism and we've neglected our own walk with the Lord or relationship with God? We get real critical towards other people sometimes because they're not serving the Lord like we are. Where's this person at? Why ain't this person doing what I'm doing? We won't say that loud, but we think it. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Lord, don't you care that I'm so busy? Tell her then to help me. Tell her to get up and help me out. But Jesus, look at verse 41. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. So here she is. She's serving the Lord. 
She's serving, it says, with much serving. But she's anxious along with that distraction. There's anxiety. There's anxiousness. There's a troubleness in her spirit. She's frustrated. She's let it out. Don't you care, Lord? Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Many things. He don't say many bad things. He doesn't even qualify. He just said many things. Wasn't anything bad with what, any of what she was doing, right? I don't know about y'all, but I can certainly relate to this passage of Scripture. Because serving the Lord can sometimes be distracting when I'm neglecting the one thing that's necessary. And then I find myself overwhelmed with anxiety, critical spirit, troubled, because I've neglected the one thing. Maybe you've walked into the sanctuary this morning with worry and anxiety about many things. Maybe it's things you're doing for the Lord. Maybe it's other things just going on in your life. I was reading through Luke here recently, and I come to Luke chapter 12, I noticed, did look to concordance, that the word anxiety that's used in Luke chapter 10 is only used in Luke in one other place, and that's in Luke chapter 12. So turn with me in your Bible in Luke chapter 12 and just notice these places where it's used here. Luke chapter 12, verse 11, is the first place. This same Greek word for anxious is used. And it says in verse 11 of chapter 12, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, I mean, <laughs> persecution, you, you would think that'd be something to be anxious about. But Jesus says, don't be anxious about it. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about serving the Lord when he shows up to your house for supper. And don't be anxious when they bring you before synagogues and rulers and they're about to persecute you and put you on trial. Do not be anxious, it says in verse 11, last part. Do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For he says the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you should say. Then if you look again in verse 22, Kind of camps out on the topic here. And Jesus, he said to his disciples in verse 22, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat. These are the necessities of life. What you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Then if you look in verse 25, he uses the word anxious again. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If you then, verse 26, are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? So, Martha's anxious about serving the Lord. There's people that are going to be anxious about being persecuted by non-Christians. Sometimes we're going to be anxious, verse 22, about the necessities of life, about what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear. Jesus says in verse 25, can you add time to your life by being anxious? And notice what he said in verse 26. I was thinking about this when I was reading it one morning here recently. You know what verse 26 says about adding an hour, a single hour to your life? If you then are not able to do as smallest thing as that, <laughs> think about it. Who of you by being anxious can add an hour, just one hour to your life? Who of you can do that? And Jesus says, if you can't do as small a thing as that, Jesus says, adding an hour to your life, that's a small thing. That's nothing. <laughs> that's Jesus talking. That's God. 
He's the one whom Hezekiah prays to in the Old Testament and says, Lord, I don't want to die. And he says, okay, you got 10 more years, right? When you come with morning with your sickness and your health concerns and other needs you have and other anxieties that you have, man, it is a small thing for the Lord. We trust in this Lord God. But if we're not knowing the Lord, if we're neglecting our time with the Lord, then that anxiety can get the best of us and that worry and that troubled heart. Especially when we're seeking to serve the Lord. Everyone hears signing up to commit to 20 households. Or maybe you say, I don't want to take 20 households, I'll take 10. Hey, that's fine. We're not going to say no to that. But I'm going to tell you, that's going to bring some anxiety. It already has, just you thinking about being involved in it maybe. Especially when you think about sharing the gospel with somebody. What, what, what is the means through which to handle the anxiety that comes from serving the Lord so that we're balanced and not overcome by anxiety? but we're casting that care upon the Lord that we know. You're being asked uh, in this, you know, adding another layer to your life. Here's another thing to do. Uh, this is just my own testimony. I, don't, I think I'd speak for my wife too and our involvement in the last three months with everyone here as a leadership team. It's not caused me a lot of anxiety, really. It's, it's Praying for people has not been hard to do. We had to write letters the second month, and that took a little, all right, I've got to stop what I'm doing. It's right before Christmas now. I've got to write 20 handwritten letters, so Deanna did most of that. But when it comes to, she did, you know. Uh, but when it comes to actually sharing the gospel six months from now with a group as we've started here, I'm already a little anxious about that. And I'm pastor of the church, so I can imagine how you might feel. So what are we to do? Well, Luke chapter 12 just reminds us of something here. Instead of being anxious, Luke chapter 12, verse 31, instead, instead of being anxious is what he's talking about, instead of worrying, instead, seek his kingdom and these things be added to you. Instead of being anxious, just do the Lord's work. Seek God first. And brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you, I don't know if the Lord's calling you to be involved and everyone hears or not. I'm hoping for at least 15 more teams or families to be, to be plugged in. But I'm going to tell you, being involved in everyone hears is definitely seeking the kingdom of God. All right? That's definitely a way of seeking first the kingdom of God. I mean, I mean if you disagree with that, hunt me down later and let's talk about it. I, I don't know what angle you're coming from. To help other people come to know Jesus is seeking the kingdom of God. Amen? So whether you're involved with that or not, seek first the kingdom of God. Keep seeking him in the ministry you've been called to. Maybe this is not a layer you need to add on. I hope it is, but maybe not. Or seek first the kingdom by being real intentional on the mission field where you work, live, and play. But seek first the kingdom. And know, verse 32 of chapter 12, fear not. In other words, don't be anxious. Fear not, little flock. I love how Jesus calls his church the little flock. Fear not, little flock. For it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's not giving you the, the, the joys of the kingdom begrudgingly. It's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. We read in Luke 15 how he rejoices over the prodigal son that repents. That it's fitting to celebrate the homecoming of the prodigal son. It's fitting. He, it, it brings joy and pleasure to the Father to give to sinners the kingdom.
So service to God must not become legalistic, but must be motivated by love. So the first point we've said already, evaluate your service to the Lord. What are you doing for the Lord? Maybe something needs to stop. Maybe you got yourself too busy doing a lot of good things. Maybe it's not things you're doing for the Lord. Maybe it's things you're doing that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And you're not being intentional to be on mission as you're doing those things. So maybe you need to keep doing those things but be more intentional or you need to stop doing those things because it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God and it's just another busy thing in your life. You got your kids involved in all kinds of activities and you feel like you got to entertain them all the time and you're just running yourself ragged all over the place and the world just evolves around that. And you got to sit down with your wife and say, well, we've got to change some things if we're going to seek first the kingdom of God. So evaluate your service for the Lord. Secondly, choose the good portion, which is knowing the Lord. Amen? Isn't that plain from the text? Choose the good portion, knowing the Lord. Notice what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10 to anxious Martha. The Lord said, verse 41, to her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Verse 42, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. So point number two, choose the good portion. Choose the good thing. What's that good thing? What's Mary doing? 39, verse 39, what's the Bible say she was doing? She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. The Lord was in the house and she sat there and she was knowing and enjoying the Lord. Now folks, that don't mean just quit doing anything for the Lord and just come to Bible study. <laughs> All right, that's not the application here. It means serve the Lord and don't neglect Bible study. Don't neglect church fellowship. You know, Pursue your joy in the Lord by knowing Him, by taking the time to spend time with Him during the week. Getting ahead of myself a little bit, but that's all right. Uh, when I was home in East Tennessee last week visiting family with my family, uh, me and uh, Makai went up hunting one day in the mountains. I hadn't been hunting in the mountains in a long time, 15 years probably. And I wanted to go hunting for nothing else, just give me a reason to get up in the mountains. So me and Makai went up there one morning, we started walking, and Makai had never hunted up in the mountains before. My brother was teasing me and my brother, me and Makai calling us flatlanders. He said, you flatlanders. I said, we're from Mount Carmel, you know. But me and Makai got up early one morning, met my brother, and we started walking up this hill and walking and walking and walking. And finally, we started, I said, let's just walk up the top of that, Makai. I said, okay. So we kept walking. And there's a bunch of briars and stuff on, on over this four-wheeler trail going up this steep place. And I looked at him, and Makai had this look on his face like, this is getting old. And I could tell without him saying anything. We got to the top, and I said, well, this place don't look good. Let's go back down. <laughs> so we walked back down again Sit down. I said, how you doing, buddy? He said, oh. <laughs> we sit down, and I smoothed out a place on the ground because when you're deer hunting, you don't want to sit down on leaves because the deer can hear you rustling in the leaves. You don't know that about hunting, do you, if you ain't a hunter? So you clear a place off on the ground, and you sit down on the dirt by the tree. That's what we did. And when I cleared that place off the ground, we sit down. I could smell the mountain. There's just a different smell. Hear the creek running by, and I was just enjoying it. I sat there for Makai, and he was getting rested up, and I looked at him, and, and I started telling him some story about hunting. And uh, 
And he, he kind of grinned a little bit and laughed. And that made me feel better because I was feeling bad because he wasn't enjoying it, you know. And I'm going somewhere with this story. But, uh, but I was just sitting there kind of meditating on being up there. And, and when Micaiah smiled because he laughed at my little story he was told and he was relaxing now and feeling better, I just started thinking to myself, it just made me feel good to see him smile. Almost relieved me a little bit. What, what, and I started asking myself this question, what is it I enjoy as a father with, from my children? I enjoy it when they smile. I enjoy it when they're happy. I enjoy making them happy. I don't like walking a long ways up with them up a mountain and they're not enjoying it, you know what I'm saying? So I thought about that when he smiled. And then I thought about what else makes me happy when my kids, and I, I enjoy watching them play with their new toys for Christmas. Do you? Or your grandchildren and, or your nephews and nieces, you enjoy that? Uh, Titus there, man, he is a toy-playing machine. He gets his little dinosaurs out, and you're going to hear noises you ain't never heard from ex- extinct animals. And I just like sitting back listening to him sometimes, watching him. So we like watching them play. The things we give them to them, we like watching them enjoy those things. We like them smiling. We want, we want them to be happy. We want them to have joy. I, I like watching my kids work hard. Uh, I really like it when I've given them something or done something for them and they come up and say, thanks, Dad. You know what? Don't you? Thanks, Grandma. Thanks, Aunt Sharon. Right? Don't you enjoy that? Just, just say thanks. Don't, don't take what I've given to you and enjoy it and play it and never acknowledge that it, where it didn't come from, right? Just say thanks. I enjoy not when my kids sin and disobey. But I really do enjoy when they come up and just say simply, I'm sorry for how I acted. I'm sorry for my attitude. Man, you do that, that don't mean you're not going to get punished in our house. <laughs> There's still consequences for actions. But it just like takes the, the wind out of the stressed airbag. You know what I'm saying? Just say, I'm sorry. I enjoy that. And uh, I enjoy when my kids just trust me. When there's something they want, something they want to do, and I know it's not a good idea, they're not quite ready for that, and mature enough for it or whatever, and I go to them. You can't use this card all the time, but if you've got a loving father or mother, they, you can do this. And I go to them and I'll say, I'll say, Lydia, you know dad loves you, right? Yeah. So, you know I wouldn't hold something back from me if I didn't care about you. You know, you're just going to have to trust dad on this. So a little tear maybe, but okay. I'll trust you. I enjoy it when they trust me. But lastly, the thing I wrote down was, I really just enjoy being out with the kids, especially when I get them by themselves and them just talking to me, just spending time with me. Don't you enjoy it when your kids call you on the phone, some of your, grand, your grown kids, and they call you, or your grandkids? I enjoy just when they talk to me and getting get teenagers now, you know, some, and that talking ain't going to always happen as much sometimes, but I enjoy it 
when they talk to me and listen to what I have to say. Cherish those times. All right, well, that's one reason I'm preaching this passage of Scripture because I was just thinking that way up on the mountains that day. But, but I was just thinking then about this passage of Scripture and I was thinking, the Lord, there's so much there relates to our relationship with the Lord, how he wants us to trust him, how he wants us to enjoy what he's given us. And just thank him. That's worship. Just thank him, Right? You don't have to go to a monk and get on your knees and shave your head bald and sing hymns all day long and fast all the time. Just enjoy what God's given you and thank Him and serve Him. Make people love Him so much that you tell everybody else about your Father and how it is that He became your Father through faith in Jesus Christ. And spend time with Him. And that's the one thing that's necessary, folks, above all else. One thing is necessary, he says to Martha. Mary has chosen the good portion of all the things she could be doing, of all the things that's out there that she could be involved in and helping you out at the house here. There's a portion of that she's chosen right now. She's made a decision. She's chosen this portion of sitting at my feet and listening to me, and it's not going to be taken away from her. She's not going to be rebuked for that. You're distracted. You're neglecting that is really the implication here for her. You're missing something here. Mary's chosen the good portion. Psalm 16 verse 5 says, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance. In my cup you support my lot. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing I have desired, you know this verse more than likely, one thing I've asked from the Lord, that shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. One thing, Psalmist says, I've asked, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. One thing I've asked. Psalm 73, verse 26, my flesh and my heart may fail. Everything may just be going to pot. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Everything else just be going to the wasteland. But the Lord is my portion. He's my inheritance. He's not going anywhere. That's the reason we often say, I often say, the worst thing that's going to happen to me is not going to happen. It ain't. Jesus took it for me on the cross. And through that, I get the Lord. This is the Lord I need to know. This is the Lord I need to talk to. This is the Lord I need to spend time with. With my church family on Sunday mornings and in Bible study and devotions with my kids and my own personal time with the Lord each day. What's, what, what is all of this? What's knowing the Lord, choosing the good portion, know the Lord, making, in other words, evaluate your service to the Lord, your priorities, and be sure that of all the things you're doing, you're not neglecting time with the Lord. That's really the message right there, Okay? And what's all that got to do with everyone here's? Worship fuels mission. When you're knowing the Lord who has chosen you, saved you, called you, equipped you, loved you unconditionally forever, who is your portion, your cup overflows. It creates desire to make Christ known. And we join with the early church who's persecuted and even in their persecution they say in Acts 4.20 we cannot 
stop speaking about the things that we have seen and heard. We just can't be quiet. We can't. It's impossible. Worship fuels mission. And whether you're involved in everyone hears or not, when it comes to proclaiming the gospel and being involved in the Great Commission and doing his work intentionally, I know for me, and I'm just going to tell you just, just real quick, for me personally, when I'm getting really close to the Lord and I'm sensing that I'm filled with the Spirit, being, doing evangelism is much more natural for me. I, I feel just kind of more free to talk with somebody I don't know. And so when I go to the gas station, I get gas and I go inside maybe to pay for it or get me a diet, Dr. Pepper, I feel more inclined when I've been spending good time with the Lord and feeling filled by that. I feel more free and inclined to go ahead and say, hey, you go to church anywhere? Well, uh, I'd like to invite you to church. And half the time that, you know, they don't have, nothing happens there. But then I say, well, hey, the main thing is, is that you understand that you're a sinner and that you've sinned against God, but he's made a way through his son Jesus for you to be forgiven. If you'll turn and put your trust in him, you'll be saved. And you ain't got a long time to talk with a cashier, but that's the gospel. And the gospel's the power of God. It is. And I'm more inclined to go and do that when I'm spending time, when I'm knowing the Lord and knowing that he knows me. I feel more free to do that. When I'm neglecting that time, I'm, I'll let fear and anxiety about doing that cause me to pay for my gas and walk the other way. Does that make sense? Well, it ought to, or I'm just not being clear. I start to be sarcastic about getting in trouble. Um, so let me just wrap things up like this. How can you know the Lord? How can you know the Lord? Well, Christian, listen to, his, listen to the Lord in prayer and in the Word of God. J.I. Packer says this about knowing God. A lot of times we get to where we're trying to know things about God, and we just get too smart for our britches. He don't say that, I say that. <laughs> but it's all about knowing this and being able to win this theological argument with people. That's not what it's about. J.I. Packer says, turn each truth that we learn about God into matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise of God. So your time with the Lord here in the sanctuary, your time with the Lord at home with your family and devotions, your time with the Lord alone, let it be a time of feasting and meditating and thinking carefully about what God's saying in His Word about who He is and what He's done and what it means for your life. Listen to the Lord through His Word and prayer. But folks, when we say this is the word of God and you open this book up and you turn wherever it is, all right, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 20, and you read it, it's as if you're sitting at the feet of Jesus and he's speaking because it's the word of God. It really is. Don't you understand that? Jesus doesn't have to be here physically for you to sit at his feet and listen to him. This is him speaking. Man, that's convicting to me because I don't have the desire like I need to sometimes to spend that kind of time at his feet. I feel like I've got to get up and get to church and start serving the Lord and get a sermon going. And I'm just doing the opposite of what I'm preaching about. 
So it's right there for us. The feast has been spread every day to know the Lord. Don't neglect it. How can you know the Lord? Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian at all. The God that created the universe, you can know him personally. By admitting that you're a sinner, just like I just explained. Admit that you've sinned against him and you don't deserve anything but his wrath and his punishment. And see that his son Jesus came into the world to pay the, sin, to pay the price for your sins on the cross. And put your trust in him. And crawl out to him and say, God, I want to turn from my way of living and I want to follow Jesus. I want him to be king. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I'm not playing church. I'm not playing religion. I'm not playing games. I'm not playing what grandma did or dad does. I want to follow Jesus because I love him. You call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. <laughs> Amen? You will be. Promises it. Change your life. We'd love to talk with you about it before you leave this place today. I'll be standing at the back doors. I'll be standing up here when we sing this last song. Talk to you at any time more about what it means to really know the Lord. Let's pray together. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for being so good that you would give us this passage of Scripture that hits right where we live on a daily basis to remind us of what's really necessary. To remind us that in all our serving, whether it's everyone here's or whatever we're doing, if we're neglecting you and neglecting intimacy with you, then we're really just doing things in the flesh and running on fuel and running on steam, our own steam, and and uh, and we're going to get anxious and worried and frustrated and critical of others, and and it's not going to bring much glory to you. So help us, Lord. Lead us in how we should apply these words to our life. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. and We're going to sing this familiar hymn, I believe. How great the art is what we're going to sing. So let's stand and sing that together this morning. If you'd like to come and pray about anything at all, I'll be standing here. I'll pray with you. You can pray alone. Or you can come and talk with me about anything that's on your heart. But let's worship the Lord together right now. What is the gospel? It all begins with God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve, to rule over the garden. God told them they could eat from any tree that they wanted to in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything was perfect in the garden. They had a perfect relationship with the land, a perfect relationship with each other, a perfect relationship with God until they chose to rebel against God and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it brought about separation between them and God. Man has always tried to bridge the separation on his own terms and in his own strength. Whether it's building a ladder of morality and trying to be good enough for God, or even in the Old Testament example, when men built a tower into the heavens trying to reach God on their own. 
A more contemporary example comes from 1961, when the Russians were first successful in sending a man into outer space. Upon returning, the Russian cosmonaut remarked, We have been to space, and we didn't find God or heaven there. A popular professor and author, C.S. Lewis, responded to the Russian cosmonaut. He said that looking for God in outer space is kind of like Hamlet, one of the characters in Shakespeare's plays, looking for Shakespeare in the attic of his home. Lewis said that for Hamlet to have a relationship with Shakespeare, Shakespeare would literally have to write himself into the story. That is the gospel. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The gospel is the account of God writing himself into human history. Almost 2,000 years ago, the Bible says that Jesus, in fulfillment to Old Testament prophecies, was born of a virgin. Even as a child, he lived a perfect life. At the age of 30, he began his public ministry. He attracted followers. For three years, he taught, he healed, and he made bold claims, such as saying that he alone was the only way to God. The religious and political leaders did not like these teachings. They invoked a riot against Jesus. They brought about false accusations leading to a trial and to a sentencing of death by public crucifixion. The Bible says that while Jesus hung on the cross, that God placed all of the sin of all of mankind on Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross as our substitute. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. They took Jesus down from the cross and they put him in a tomb. They rolled a large stone at the entrance of the tomb so no one could get in or out. There were Roman soldiers who were posted on guard to keep people from coming to take Jesus's body. But on the third day, according to scripture, he rose again. After being seen by many eyewitnesses and giving instruction to his followers, he ascended back into the heaven, where he now sits at the right hand of God and serves as our advocate before the Father. So what does this have to do with you? The Bible says that we have all sinned and that we all fall short of God's standard of holiness. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no way to get rid of the burden of sin on our own. God calls all men everywhere to believe in Christ, repent of sins, and trust Christ to live a new life. As we look back and believe in what God has done through the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection, as we repent and turn from our sins, as we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we have peace with God and the forgiveness of sins. So let's review. It all begins with God. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. The gospel is the account of God writing himself into human history. Jesus died in our place for our sins and rose again on the third day. As we believe in Christ, repent from our sins, and trust Jesus for new life, we have peace with God and forgiveness of sins. That is the gospel.